Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to MADE at Valley Point Church. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's going to be a great joy to walk through this series with you. What does God think of me? It's a great question. And what what does God say about me? Another great question. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Scholars tell us that this psalm was written by King David and he comes to an understanding that he is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He knew that to be true of himself. I believe when you walk through the entirety of scripture, this is true of all of us. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter how we might feel about ourselves, God declares, and God says, as he looks at us, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Should be a great encouragement to us today. And so I want to look at this verse again and just begin to tear apart some of these words and some of these phrases because they are so dynamic. Let's look at it again. I praise. That's how David starts this which means I give thanks. So God, here I am. I'm going to thank you for something that you've done. And then he goes on to say, I will give thanks to you because I am fearfully. And the construction of the language there has the idea of something that is awesome. So David is saying here, God, I'm going to praise you because I'm awesome. That's what he's kind of saying. And not only am I fearfully made, not only am I awesome, but I am wonderfully made, which has the idea of being distinct. And so get this, you have David the writer saying, God, I'm going to thank you because I am awesome and I am distinct. Wonderful are your works. And this is pertaining to an attitude of surprise about an event or a person, that phrase. And I think the context here demands that David is talking about being surprised about a person. He's talking about being surprised and in awe of God, and he closes it all out by saying, my soul, my heart, my life, my person knows it very well. When you put all of this together, God, I thank you, Because I am awesome and distinct and I am in awe of you. My heart, my life, my soul knows this very well. You have a person who is in awe of God. Just complete awe. And why? Why is David in awe of God? Well, when you really dig into this chapter and when you look at Psalm 139, verse 14 specifically, 
you understand that David knows. He just knows. And he begins to get comfortable with how he was made. And he declares it for all of us to not only know about him, but again, as you walk through scripture, you understand this to be true of all of us as well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And because of that, David was just in awe of God. Which brings us to our big idea. And so I'd encourage you to take out your talk notes, grab a pen. We're gonna take that phrase, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and use that to frame our conversation today. That is our big idea. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am awesome and distinct in the eyes of God. I'm not sure how you view yourself today. I'm not sure what you brought into the room with you, whatever may be happening on the inside. I don't know how you're viewing yourself. Just know, and we're going to walk through this. God made us in some really unique ways, and I think all of this will be very encouraging. Other versions of this verse state it this way. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking, body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Another version states it this way. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I love that phrase. Have you ever looked at someone and said, you, you are wonderfully complex. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but you can say it about yourself, certainly. And that's exactly what David does here. God, you made me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Psalm 139, verse 14. A great verse. Just a great verse. Here's where it gets a little confusing for me. This verse is written about David and he's communicating what he understands to be true. That he is fearfully and wonderfully made. But yet there are other pieces of scripture that share a different story about David. So let's investigate together, okay? I want to look at a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And let me give you some context, some background on what we'll read that gives us a little different picture of David. and makes it so amazing that he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is that God approached a prophet by the name of Samuel. And God said to Samuel, look, here's the deal. My people have a king. He's not a good king. We need a new king, someone who will follow me. And so Samuel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to travel to the city of Bethlehem. Remember Bethlehem? It's where Jesus was born. It's also David's hometown. And so God says, Samuel, you you go to Bethlehem, and there you're going to find Jesse's family. You find his family, and then you begin to interview the men in his household, and one of them will be the next king. Well, wouldn't you know, Jesse had eight sons. So Samuel had to be thinking, this is going to be great. One of them will be the king, and so off he went to Bethlehem. He got there. He found Jesse's family, and this is where we pick up the story. So I will begin reading in 1 Samuel 
chapter 16, verse 6. Here's what we find. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest son, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Meaning, I have rejected him as king. So we can picture this, can't we? The firstborn son. He's tall, dark, and handsome, and he rolls out in all of his glory, and Samuel says, wow, this is the one. There he is, the king. He looks like a king. He smells like a king. He talks like a king. This is the one. It's him. And God says, no, it's not him at all. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, here's what he does. He looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. What's happening here? And then Samuel asks, are these all the sons that you have? Because God said from your family would come a king, but it's not any of these guys. And Jesse says, well, there is still the youngest, the baby of the family, the runt. He is out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. So it's the younger brother, the youngest brother syndrome. It's the baby of the family. Do we have any of those in the room? You know how this feels. Nobody believes in you. You don't get any credit at all. You're just out in the field doing all of the work while everybody else gets the credit and the glory. So you should probably really connect with the story. The youngest brother in the field. That's David. And you don't get the sense in walking through the story that anybody in his family believed in him. It's not like anybody said, maybe, maybe we should start with David. Let's invite him to the party and see if the Cinderella slipper fits. Maybe he's the next king. Maybe he's the one. No, nobody thought that at all. No one in his family saw him as having kingly attributes. Nobody saw that. But God did. God did. And if you continue to read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you will discover that David is the one who's crowned king. And so before he is famous, before we know him as king, we have this unique story where other people did not see in him somebody who was awesome and distinct. That's not the case. But God did, because that's how he viewed David, and that's how he views you. I wonder as David perhaps was writing Psalm 139 and that great verse, verse 14, if he wasn't reflecting on the words of Moses in Genesis chapter one that talk about how God views people. I believe David would have known about that text. 
And perhaps as he's writing, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, maybe he was thinking about these words that we find in Genesis chapter 1. Here's what it says, verse 26, then God said, and here it comes, what does God think of me? How does God see me? God said, let us make human beings in our image. I'd encourage you to circle that and highlight that phrase. It's really important. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, verse 27, God created human beings in his own image. Circle that. In the image of God, circle that as well. He created them, male and female, he created them. It's so fascinating to me that three times in two verses, we find this phrase, the image of God. The image of God. There's a Latin term for this. It's imago Dei. The image of God. Imago Dei is a beautiful biblical designation for the unique human status and nature and worth of every single person created in the image of God. Imago Dei, the image of God, a biblical designation for how God sees us as individuals of great worth. The biblical portrait of humans is very unique. All of the person, the entire human being, images God. That's Imago Dei, the image of God. And I can't help but wonder, and I don't know this for sure, so it's a bit of speculation, but perhaps as David was thinking about his life and his journey and writing the words, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and also rolling into that Genesis chapter one, the image of God, and he understood God's view of people and of humans, that perhaps as David was reflecting on his life and journey, from being a person that no one thought could be a king to a king, to being a person who succeeded, to also being a person, and we see this throughout scripture as well, who failed God in some disastrous ways. So there was success in his life, but there was also a lot of failure and a lot of problems. And David, I think, is reflecting on all of this. And perhaps he's also thinking about how he sought forgiveness and God gave that to him. Maybe David is even thinking about how he is a man after God's own heart. That's what scripture says about him. So perhaps as David is just thinking about all of this, the ups and the downs and the mess of life, that he comes to the conclusion, guess what? Even with all of that, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God himself. And this is how God sees me. This is God's view of me. I am awesome and distinct in the image of God. So let me just talk to you and encourage you for a few moments. 
Because I don't know how you're feeling this morning. And I don't know what you walked in the room with today. What fears or frustrations or anger or hate that may exist there. Or even joys and successes. We're probably all dealing with these things. I want you to be able to walk out of here, no matter how you're feeling today, fully understanding how God sees you and how you are made. So I have three phrases that I'm going to give to you and we're going to repeat these several different times as we just think about how we are made in the image of God. These three phrases are our thinking points. Here they are. You matter to God. God loved you enough to send his only son. You are made in his image. Just remarkable thoughts. No matter how you're feeling about yourself, you matter to God. God loved you enough to send his only son. And you are made in his image. One of the great privileges of being a pastor is I have the opportunity to walk through a lot of things with people. And every Sunday, I generally have the opportunity to stand up here and talk and encourage and we investigate God's word and attempt to hear from him and what does God want to say to us. And it's a great joy of mine to be able to do this week in and week out. But so often, I get to stand up here and I look out and and I know stories and I know hurts and pain. I know how people feel about themselves because of what's happened in life. And I carry this with you, as well as the joy and successes. But if you could walk out of here just knowing, in the midst of all of that, you matter to God. You matter to God. Even if you don't matter to another single person, you matter to him. And God loved you. God loved you enough to send his only son. And you are made in his image. It's remarkable. I know in culture right now, there are many discussions about identity and people finding themselves. And many are asking some great questions. Like, who am I? And why am I here? And there's not necessarily a lot of clarity on purpose or sexuality or gender or all kinds of different things that swirl around in our minds. And you couple that with the conversations that we often have deep down inside. And perhaps nobody else hears this stuff, but we have conversations with ourselves sometimes where we say, you're not worth it. And you're not good enough. And we begin to hate the person that we have become. So with all of our imperfections, with all of our failures, with all of our questions, with all of our doubts about ourselves and even about God, with all of our regrets, you matter to God. And God loved you enough to send his only son. And you are made in his image You know, maybe it's been a really long time 
since you have personally considered your intrinsic value. And maybe it's been a long time since you've considered that because you've had a lifetime of people telling you you're worthless and you don't measure up and you're not good enough or smart enough or whatever. And that's just how you feel. I'm glad you're here today. Would you let these phrases just fall into your heart? You matter to God. God loves you enough to send his only son and you are made in his image. Maybe you've been cast aside. You feel beat up, tossed to the side of the road by family, by friends, by whoever, abused, neglected, hurt, marginalized, overwhelmed. And that's just how you feel about you. I'm glad you're here today. Would you let these phrases fall into your heart humbly? You matter to God. God loved you enough to send his only son. And you are made, imago Dei, you are made in his image. You have intrinsic value to God. Maybe you're here and there's a lot of joy in your heart and you're walking through a season of success. That's great. I'm glad you're here. Would you humbly let these phrases fall into your heart as well? That you matter to God? God loved you enough to send his son and you are made in his image. C.S. Lewis, an author and scholar, says this about identity. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. But you have never talked to a mere mortal. Think about that. It helps us to understand Psalm 139, verse 14. I, and you can personalize that because it's true of you, not just David. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I reflect him. I have two takeaways to share with you as we wrap up today. Here's the first one. I want to encourage you to memorize the three phrases that describes how God sees you. I just want you to memorize that. Maybe put that somewhere where you can see it over and over again. Maybe you're walking through a season of life right now where you just need that consistently. So you map that out, you put it somewhere, and you walk through those phrases reminding yourself of how God views you. You matter to God. God loved you enough to send his only son, and you are made in his image. I know in having a conversation like this, inevitably it brings up a lot of questions and doubts perhaps for those walking through a really difficult time. And maybe you want to believe that God sees you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and that sounds great and wonderful, but it's not your experience It's not what you're feeling. It's not what you're sensing right now. And you'd like to believe, you'd like to go to the place where, boy, I matter to God and he loved me enough to send his only son and I'm made in his image. You want to get there, but you just can't for whatever reason. I understand that. So here's a takeaway for you. Seek help. Seek help. Don't isolate. 
Don't run. Seek help. I'd encourage you to come and talk to me and we'll take time. This church has a lot of resources that we can give to you to help you understand how God views you and how you are made in his image. I want to end by just going back to our big idea. And that is I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's you. That's me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. May God give us all the courage and the strength this week to walk in how he sees us and may it transform and change and empower us. Father, we step into your presence grateful for some unique words that David shared many years ago. He saw himself as someone made in the image of God. God, I think we all have doubts and frustrations and these inner conversations where we doubt ourselves and maybe even come to hate who we have become. And we lose sight of how you see us. God, you make it so clear in Scripture that your view of us is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. May we sit in that this week. May it encourage us with whatever we may be facing. And God, you see every heart and you know every hurt and success that's represented in this room. So may we leave here in a few moments just living the reality that we we matter to you and you sent your only son for us and we are made in your image. That's how you view us. So may that encourage us as we walk through the challenges of the days in front of us this week this month, this year. Eyes on you. Eyes on you. That's what David did in the mix of his life, the ups and the downs. Eyes on you. Help us to do the same and help us to be so encouraged with how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.